Welcome to A Soulful Rebellion. I'm your host, Anika Nicole. I'm a spiritual life and mindset coach. Here to guide those of you who are new to the spiritual awakening journey to find clarity and inner peace. Today, I'm going to talk about five steps you can take towards becoming a self-sovereign being. I want to let you know this episode is one where you might want to get your journal and pen ready, take some notes, and if anything, I share in today's episode resonates with you, take a screenshot of it with you and share a few key takeaways and tag me on Instagram at Anika Nicole and that's A-N-E-K-I-A Nicole as one whole name because I'd like to know what are your thoughts on what I had to share today. First, I want to name that I've been slowly covering more topics related to what it's like to step away from religious fundamentalism and abuse and what it's like to go through a process of unlearning harmful beliefs here on this podcast. Because for those of us who were raised in certain religious communities, this has a large part to do with why the spiritual awakening journey is a challenge. I've been noticing a trend of these questions coming more and more my way. Also, many of the core issues clients seek support from me for tend to be centered on these issues. So I think it just makes sense to share more information and content regarding these topics here. With that said, I will strive to bring to you my experience and information based on research and resources, but I am in no way the expert on these topics. Hopefully in the future, I can bring on a guest expert to discuss this further. I don't know. We'll see. But in a previous newsletter, I shared a list of a few practical steps you can take to help heal yourself from religious trauma. As I understand that many of you may not have access to therapy or coaching for support right now. If you are not on the email list, don't worry, I'll include a link of it in my show notes for now. But in the future, I'll make it into a blog post where it can be more publicly accessible. But of course, if you want to access any additional spiritual resources, tips, you can always join my email list at asofarebellion.com forward slash soul notes to subscribe. Anyway, another pattern I've noticed for those of us who been through any form of abuse or trauma, we tend to have to work hard on stepping back into our power. For some, it is moving past the mindset of people pleasing. For others, it's moving out of victim mindset. This is important because adverse experiences have the potential to leave you with a distorted view of yourself. But it is my hope and dream for you to restore your mindset and for you to hold the point of view of yourself that you are whole and you are sovereign. You are not broken. In fact, you are never broken. And this is the truth that has led you to rise above and far beyond those experiences. It is the strengths that you have that has enabled you to overcome them. So while traumatic experiences do have the possibility to negatively impact our view of ourselves and distort our way of thinking, I'm here to tell you that yes, you have the power within yourself to realign your thinking so that it is in alignment with your higher self and so that you can live life more free. Even if you know that you need support or currently seeking support, it doesn't even mean that you are broken or less than. It takes great strength to openly be vulnerable to others and to acknowledge when you need help. So again, for all these reasons I've just explained, I wanna share with you what you can do to take steps towards becoming a self-sovereign being. So first, I want to start with what does it mean to be a self-sovereign being? Or what does self-sovereign even mean? So 
I tried looking this up and there are many different political, spiritual, and psychological definitions of what it means to be self-sovereign or what is most commonly termed self-ownership. So here's my definition. To be self-sovereign is to exercise full authoritative power over your mind, body, and emotion and spirit. It is to stand in your power and truth without cause or fear while maintaining and upholding personal integrity and at the same time respecting the self-sovereignty of others. When you are exercising your self-sovereign rights, you understand your true value and self-worth, you are free from shame and self-doubt, and you honor the difference of others, and you don't view or see their differences as a threat to who you are. So now, I want to go to the first step or the first thing that you can do towards becoming a self-sovereign being, and that is to stay in your power. This is a big one. Because from childhood, we are taught to give away our power in so many ways and not to trust ourselves. I also see this happen in parent-child relationships, specifically when the child has entered adulthood and sometimes long past the adulthood stage. Whereas a parent has difficulty letting go of the view of their child and has challenges embracing them as an adult. You know that whole, I can do whatever I want because I'm your parent type of thinking. <laughs> on one hand, yes, you should be able to go to your parents to seek wise counsel when needed, but ultimately the decision-making process is yours. And of course, yes, when you were a child, your parent or whomever your legal guardian is or were tr was trusted with the ability to make the best conscionable decision for you. The problem is that some families are built off of a system of codependency in which there is an unhealthy attachment formed and the parent tries to control how their child lives their life even when well into adulthood. I've seen similar patterns of this in the church. I remember having to seek permission before making certain decisions. If as an adult you still feel need to seek permission from another adult, what does this say about your ability to trust yourself and stand in your own power? It is important not to allow someone outside yourself to have such great authority over decisions you get to make and ultimately the direction of your life. I honestly believe it is a red flag if you are in a religious community that operates off of a similar system of codependency. The thing here is you have to have a sense of confidence in yourself in knowing who you are and what you desire and what you want out of life. How to not give your power away? set firm and clear boundaries, which is next on my list of steps to becoming a self-sovereign being. A great sign of whether or not you are in a supportive community or a relationship with others is based on their ability to respect your boundaries. This comes with being empowered to say no to situations you are uncomfortable or out of alignment with and others respecting your no. And boundaries can be as simple as don't call my house past 10. Or you might not like my partner, but respect them. And it could also include things like making sure someone doesn't enforce their values or beliefs on you or respecting the way you are raising your family or letting people know that you don't want unsolicited advice. So according to Psychology Today, boundaries can be defined as the limits we set with other people which indicate what we find acceptable and unacceptable in their behavior towards us the ability to know our boundaries generally comes from a healthy sense of self-worth of valuing yourself in a way that is not contingent on other people or the feelings they have toward you and then it describes different types of boundaries we set with others so 
The different types of boundaries you set with others are intellectual, which is an, our entitlement to your thoughts and opinions, emotional entitlement to your feelings to given to a given situation, physical entitlement to your space, however wide it may be, social entitlement to your friends and to pursuing your social activities, and spiritual, which is entitlement to your own spiritual beliefs. Understand and note that if you are operating in a relationship or in a relationship where there are no clear boundaries set, the first time you set the boundary may feel like an offense to those around you who are used to overstepping them. So they may respond with defensiveness. As to my first point, remember to stay in your power, be consistent, and do not, again, do not give your power away. Sadly, I've heard in many situations where setting a boundary has led to a loss of relationship or even being excluded from certain communities. This honestly has also happened to me. I'm just naming this here because I want you to be aware of the positive and negative consequences that may result from setting boundaries. I believe that if you can't be in relationship with me and respect my boundaries, that maybe this is where the relationship needs to end. Or maybe that relationship was never based on love and respect in the first place. So I have no problem cutting ties when I need to. This may mean you might have to reevaluate the necessity of certain friendships, relationships, or communities if you are having a difficult time with your boundaries being respected. So again, how to set clear boundaries? Give firm and clear, consistent reminders. Have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with the person or community if you feel like you need to or if you feel like they're continually overstepping them and if you feel like it's safe. And decide on whether or not that relationship or community is right for you. Maybe you just need to cut ties. Maybe it's time for you to go or move forward. So now on to step three, which is learn to trust your intuition. Learn to trust your intuition. So a thing that comes with being in a codependent relationship is that you have learned to trust others so much. You have weakened your ability to tune in and know when the spirit is guiding you. So much so that you will suppress your intuitive knowings and take others over your own. I remember when I was growing up in the church, as I say, I'm always had churchy examples, y'all, because <laughs> all I know based on my experiences is the church. So here's another churchy example. Um, again, I was grew up, grew up in a charismatic, mystical, Pentecostal type church. So there was always some prophet or someone that was well known with the gift of prophecy. And this means that this person was blessed with the ability to see into your past or future. Very similar to how we think of psychics. So it was not uncommon for people to go to prophets to seek guidance, clarity, or counsel over their life. I remember whenever I, whenever a well-known rather prophet was invited to speak at my church, the pews would be packed. And there would be, a, at the end of every sermon, there would be like this long processional line almost leading to the back of the church with everyone just standing in line waiting for a prophetic word to be spoken over their life. So this was very common. And I can talk about this phenomenon for a whole other hour, but I'm going to save that for another episode. I bring this up as an example of how we can give our power away and deny our own intuitive abilities. What if whomever you are seeking guidance from brings forth a message that doesn't sit right with your spirit? Do you deny your own voice? No. 
A big part of reclaiming your power and stepping into your divinity as a self-sovereign being is leaning into your intuition for guidance. You may feel that you have disconnected from your intuition, but let me tell you, you can never be disconnected from it. It is always with you. It is all about fine-tuning your ear, so to speak, to be able to hear whenever it is speaking to you. And I'm speaking metaphorically here because each of us and how we connect to our own intuition is, is different. We might have different ways of knowing when our intuition is speaking loud and clear. Our bodies might feel this differently. We all have full access to the infinite wisdom of this universe. The difference among us is how well we have fine-tuned this ability to receive clear answers from the universe. The only way to fine-tune your abilities is to practice. But if you somehow feel you're struggling to reconnect to your intuition, here are some common things that you can do. You can meditate. I understand not everyone feels comfortable with engaging in meditation, but it helps. Meditation helps to support your intuition because you begin to develop a sense of what your body energetically feels like when it is allowed to disengage with all the noise from the world around you, such as thoughts, feelings, and opinions of others. Meditation allows you to learn what your body's home frequency is. Because we're so busy with the hustle and bustle of life, many of us don't even know what our body feels like when it is still, when it is quiet. This is important for trusting your intuition because when you have a firm sense of what your home frequency is, then you will immediately know when something is off or something is wrong. And you'll begin to feel those nudges that many refer to as messages or downloads from the universe. Or if you were raised in a church, we may refer to as God speaking to us or I heard from the Lord. You know, when people say I heard from the Lord, it's because they're just getting a download or a message. <laughs> so meditation will allow you to feel a sense of these downloads or these messages more clearly. Another thing you can try is incorporating more mindfulness practices into your daily activities. You can engage in mindfulness practices in addition to meditation or as an alternative if you feel uncomfortable with meditation. So when you engage in mindfulness practices, you don't necessarily have to sit in silence, but simply bring your attention to your body, all the sensations that come up for you, and become more aware of your environment. Mindfulness is all about becoming more aware of all the stimuli that your body receives without trying to add any meaning or without trying to add any judgment to those to the stimuli that comes in. So another one that you can try to help develop your um, intuition is to ask a question and then sit in silence to see what comes up for you. Instead of looking to others outside yourself for answers, seek your own answers. Seek answers for yourself. You can do this by having a daily practice where you sit in silence. Ask a question to God, the universe, source, energy, or whatever aligns with what you believe in now. Then wait and see what comes up for you. You may get a visual, feel a specific sensation, or hear a word. Take in whatever you hear, feel, or see without judgment. When you're done with this practice, look back to see if anything had any meaning or significance to you. Step four is to become more self-aware. Being self-aware has to do with your level of consciousness around your feelings, thoughts, and actions. It is how well you truly know yourself and why you are the way you are. Some researchers have argued that being self-aware isn't just about how well we see ourselves, but also our awareness of how others view us as well. 
To increase your self-awareness, you have to become an objective investigator of your thoughts, feelings, and actions, as well as others' responses to your behaviors. It helps to exercise flexibility in your thinking to view any given situation from multiple perspectives. One introspective practice is using a thought record. This is a practice I learned in therapy, and I want to note that this is in no way a replacement for therapy. However, I'm sharing it because I found it to be a very useful and easily accessible tool in between sessions, and I still use it long after my therapy sessions have ended. So if you are a person that benefits from writing out your thoughts and emotions, then you might find this useful. I'll link one or yeah, I'll have a show link. I'll have a link to one in the show notes. But a few simple steps you can take to begin this process is ask yourself these questions. What emotions or thought is present right now? What thought or situation caused this emotion? What purpose is this thought or emotion trying to serve? And is this in service of my greatest and highest good? If there were other witnesses to the experience whom you trust, you can ask them to share their non-judgmental perspective of what occurred or how you responded and a true sign of whether you are truly self-aware and emotionally mature is being able to take accountability for your actions. It is our human nature to question when things go wrong, but I'm also encouraging you to question when things in life seem to go well. This will help you to further develop your level of self-awareness. And now for the fifth step, which is to embrace change. As you spiritually grow and mature, you will notice a lot of things shifting and moving in your life. And with all the shifts, you may begin to experience discomfort and uneasiness. I want to acknowledge that sometimes change can feel scary. But to move forward, you have to embrace change. You are beginning to step outside of your comfort zone, so you will notice what feels like discomfort at first. But what if what feels like discomfort is actually concern and care for what lies ahead? And it's okay to be concerned about your future. As a matter of fact, this is a good thing because it shows that you are becoming more self-aware and in tune with spirit. Here's what you need to look out for. Whether or not the changes are heading in a positive direction. And there are some things we will never know unless we are willing to take risks and step outside of our comfort zone to find the answers. A common change many of you may experience is in your friendships. You may notice that you ain't vibing with folks on the same level you used to. There may not be anything wrong with them or with you or who you are now becoming. It's just that you aren't energetically aligned anymore. Maybe the friendship has served its purpose and it's time to move on. Another big one, maybe noticing that you may need to make a shift in your career. Some of us will get the strong intuitive hit and know exactly what the next step in our career should be. And some of us will never know until we take the risks in making the first step to find the answers we need. How do you know if it is a step in the right direction? It's if it is improving your life for the better. And that pretty much sums it up. The five steps towards becoming a self-sovereign being is to stand in your power, set clear boundaries, learn to trust your intuition, become more self-aware, and embrace change. I hope you were able to find something to walk away with from today's episode. I'm not going to say much more because I really want to encourage you to now take some time and silently reflect on what areas do you feel you need to lean into right now in order to step into becoming a self-sovereign being. In the meantime, don't forget 
wherever you are listening, to subscribe so that you are notified as soon as the next episode is out. Thank you for tuning in.